coming up on this episode of Behind the Mic with Rick Hampton. Welcome to the very first episode, numero uno, first in line, the beginning, number one episode of Behind the Mic with Rick Hampton. You know, I started this podcast to share the memories up and down the radio dial, but that's not all. I will also have other special guests along the way to share their stories too. My first guest has been a great friend for many years, was my best friend in radio, and we have gotten into some trouble together, but also celebrated many wins together as well. You may know him as Toby Scott or Duff McKenzie. I knew him first as Toby Duffy. We will talk about his start in radio, his climb to the major radio market, his influences in radio, and so much more. My conversation with Toby Duffy, coming up on Behind the Mic with Rick Hampton Podcast. Welcome to the Behind the Mic with Rick Hampton Podcast. Brought to you by Mojo Merchandise. Join radio veteran Rick Hampton and his guests for informative and entertaining discussions as they take you behind the scenes, behind the stories, behind the music, and more. Originating from the Big Daddy Studios, it's time to go behind the mic, and here's your host, Rick Hampton. This is episode one of Behind the Mic. It is a great pleasure to be sitting across from my good friend again, Toby Duffy. He is in the house. How long has it been, Toby, since you have been in front of a microphone? Um, in front of a microphone, probably May 15th of 2015. That's the day that I did my last radio show. That you hung up the headphones. I hung up the headphones Which May 15th. I have been wanting to do this for a while uh, and sat down with you. We started in radio together as far as the same location. You came on board um, and it was working with KVOO and Kick 99 and those guys. Great Empire. Yeah, Great Empire Broadcasting. I, I, I put that, I don't necessarily put that on the resume because it was journal, whatever. Mm-hmm. I, is that right? It's, it's scripts now, I guess. Yes, it's scripts now. But um, everywhere I've been in radio, they've always asked me about KV Double Knot. Yeah. And, and being <laughs> for working for Great Empire. And mm-hmm. they thought that I knew Mike and Mike. Or, mm. Uh, Andy O is the only one that, that that's the top of the list that the furthest I got that right. impressed me the most other than Billy Parker. He's the top of the top, but I didn't work there in the heyday. I was working there towards the end of great empire, but I, it, it was a wonderful time period. I, there's a lot of things that happened that I didn't believe ever would happen in radio, but it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I worked there for about 13 years. How long did you, how long were you there? Total. Uh, yeah. Total. Uh, there was two different stents total. It was probably about 10 years. Just to kind of rewind just a little bit, where I got my interest in radio by accident. I was first introduced to radio by Billy Parker. My brothers were in the what used to be called Country Cousins, then with Stonehorse. Mm-hmm. And whenever they would do a live thing with Billy Parker, that that was his backup band, and that's how I got introduced to Red, uh, Billy Parker, Red Steagall, uh, Jana Jay. I could name a whole others mm-hmm. that most people probably won't know, but will know because right. classic country. And so that's where I got my first introduction to radio not realizing what I was doing. And then when I went to college, I went to Harvard on the Hill, Roger State right, College. Roger State, you know, sure. Lifetime learning, close to home. That was yep. their slogan then. I still remember that. But uh, I needed to fill out some course credit. And the counselor literally said, listen, here's the deal. I've, I've, I need help. This is my friend who's running this program. It's brand new this year. Intro to radio broadcasting. Would you just, would you consider it? It'll help bridge this credit gap. And I'm like, okay, why not? What will it hurt? Well, first of all, I was an introvert, and it, it brought me out of that, mm-hmm. but I really fell in love with it, and I can remember the time that I got the phone call from Brad Farnsworth, because I had interned at K95, mm-hmm. and, but, but, but it was just an internship, but I got a call from Brad Farnsworth wanting to hire me for, for part-time, and I told the, 
the station manager there at Roger State College. And I can remember Alan just throwing my file down on the ground and goes, I lost another one mm-hmm. to the company that he used to work for. Right, yep. And so it was kind of funny, but it, that's where I got my start. It was all by accident. It never was planned at all. An introvert, wouldn't speak to anybody, always scared. I, I just wasn't a social butterfly. And here I am, I'm interviewing with Banana Bradley because that's what right. I knew him oh, as. Yeah. And I, I, I listened to this gentleman on the radio. I've got recordings of him somewhere Doing Edith Bunker mm-hmm. uh, when he worked at, uh, oh, where was it? Many years ago. Was it Z104? Z104, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, with Banana and Mel. Yes. And he, uh, that was uh, one of the other places, I believe, where he also perfected Richard Dillard, uh, his other character. Yes, yes, yes. yes. And, so, and if you listen carefully, they kind of almost mesh a little bit. His Edith Bunker and Richard Dillard kind of go together. Edith is a little bit more masculine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah you're right yeah. about that. So Edith was more masculine. Right. But that's where, I mean, it was just kind of how strange that I listened to, and I told him that in the interview, and he goes, okay, this is not the way to sell yourself. You're making me feel old. I said, well, you probably are, but I'm just telling you that I've listened to you since I was a little kid. And, you know, I grew up not realizing, and then I also worked for uh, the Indians. I used to call Bingo Mm -hmm. many years ago, many moon ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, I worked with Johnny Rivers. Mm -hmm. I used to listen to him on the radio, and we used to have stories. I mean, it's just, it's amazing how I transferred into this business that I had no idea that I really fell in love with as a child and 22 years of it. There's a lot of stories, but 22 years of it, I have to say now, I don't, I I know how you came up in radio Mm -hmm. and you actually went through the whole process. You started in the small market, went up. I didn't, I started in the media market, went up, then Mm -hmm. I went to a network and then I decided after so many years, uh, after my father passed to be close to my mother, I had, I, I took a map and this was, and this was in Tulsa. I -hmm. was, uh, Ty's burgers. I don't even know if it's still around. Yeah. So I was setting in ties. I took a uh, pick, uh, this thing that I printed off from the radio station. I needed a full-time job. And my father just died, but I didn't want to be far away from mom. So I literally took the map. I drew what I thought would be a no more than four-hour radius from Claremore, Oklahoma, and landed in Ardmore. I sent in a resume that day, and I got a phone call that day. And while I was there for an interview, there was a tornado warning and I, I didn't think I got the job. Right. Really, I thought, okay, I drove all this way, <laughs> tornado warning. I really kind of want to get home because the weather's getting bad. Ended up spending eight years there. Mm-hmm. And that's where I ended it, in a small market where you usually start. So right. I kind of went opposite. But there was a lot of great rides along the way. Yeah. Well, you know, the common thread there is Brad Farnsworth because he also hired me. Um, I left radio in Ada, Oklahoma. Started there in Ada in 1990. And then I left there in 93. Uh, some of the best years of my life because people, when they ask me about radio, they always want to know one thing. Is it just like it was on WKRP there? Yes. Uh, I yeah. can I can point to several. Even when I did go to um, 99.5 uh, with uh, Kick 99, the news station at the time, there were still people there that I could point to and say, oh, that's Johnny Fever or that's you know, Venus flytrap or whatever. I mean, there were people there, but the common thread there for me and you was Brad Farnsworth. Um, he had just become program director. Um, I had called in on the show cause he was talking about how that the station was so poor and they were the stepchild, <laughs> the redheaded stepchild. right? Yes, they were the, yes. they were the stepchild and that, um, they were so poor that they did not have a TV in the studio. And so he said, here I am on one of country's biggest nights with the CMAs going on I have no idea who's winning what. And so I called in and I said, hey, you know what? I used to be in radio. I said, I love, 
I love that. I'm going to be watching the show anyway. Why don't I call in? And he said, great. So he gave me the hotline number to the studio so I could get right in. And I called in and I did several of those in there all night long. Well, at the end of the night, and he said, well, if there's anything I can do for you, let me know that, you know, I appreciate it, that it helped me out tonight. And I said, well, actually there is, you can give me a job. I hear through the grapevine that you're the new boss now, and that you'll officially start like next Monday. (laughs) So what you could do is you could just give me a job since I'm looking for a job in radio. Oh, well, yeah. Okay. You know, sure. Send me your resume or whatever. And I said, you know, and a tape. You know, so you drop off a tape or something. I said, I don't have to. You have my resume right there. You've heard my reports all night long. And there was just dead silence. And then he went, all right, fine. Come in on Monday and we'll talk. And that's kind of how it happened because same deal. I came in on Monday and he uh, hired me pretty much that afternoon. And I started and and uh, just recently, you know, uh, John Landers passed away. And um, he was one of the first people I trained with. He was a crazy guy. He was one of those guys that he could do some crazy bits, but he wasn't the guy to get out of the bit quick. No. He loved for the bit to keep going. You know, he was that guy that was standing outside of his own body saying, Ooh, did you hear that? Oh, I got that laugh. Let's go for this one too. But no, you're right. He was. He could take a bit. He was, he undoubtedly, and I don't even know if I'm using that word right, but he is probably the funniest person I've ever worked with in radio. Yeah. And he's very so, and he, well, he's so unassuming. Yeah. If you met him, you wouldn't know that. Right. But he had the heart of gold. He, he, he trained me for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm glad that I, I didn't spend as much time with him as I wish I would have. Mm-hmm. Uh, because when I started, I, I ended up doing more with the DJs at the end, but um, I was just part time. I sat in with him. He showed me the DCS system yeah. and showed me how to use a mini disc and you know, okay, this literally he goes, okay, this button you're not using. It's a microphone. Brad told me you're not using it. Okay. So we're going to use these four <laughs> buttons right here. So it, it's one of those, but it, he really was one of the nicest guys I think. And the funniest I've ever worked with in radio. Yeah. He was very unassuming. You're right. And the funny thing is, is that as soon as the on air light kicked on, his personality changed. Oh, it was. I mean, he was funny off the air. And to be honest with you, and I think you would agree too, that in radio, to be honest, most of the stuff that's the funniest never sees the light of day. Oh. Because it's all the stuff that's off the air that we could get by with in the studio or whatever. I mean, that's always the funniest. Um, You know, I I know that um, by working with several people over the years as well, they were just as funny on the air if not funnier, off because there was no rules. Um, there is a lot of guys uh, in my past that I wished had podcasts now or did, you know, what became popular, the podcast after the show type thing because a lot of that was funny. But number one, and, and it violated guys, too many. Guys and gals. Oh, yeah. There was and, some and, and, funny oh, stuff. Because Gwen. Yes. Gwen. Now, where I don't know where she's at. Don't know what she's doing. I believe she's back in town. Really? Oh, yeah. She... Now she 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 was on Big Country ninety nine point five mm-hmm. and but she did you know talk radio but off the air that person that you heard on talk radio I'm not saying it was I'm not saying that she didn't believe what she was saying mm-hmm. but she could crack a joke yeah. she could she could put anybody in their place or make you feel just the most warmth mm-hmm. give you a hug but sit there and just slap you and hug you at the same time <laughs> right. but. It's. I think it takes personalities like that to be able to be to to be able to sit in front of a microphone and expose yourself. Yeah, 
it, you have to have an alter ego a little bit. Yeah, you and do. You have to be able to step outside of yourself. Uh, I know what I'm doing now. I am nowhere close to what I was like in the studio off or on the air because it's a different, it's just a different thing. Mm-hmm. It's just, I don't have that outlet. So when you said it, when you said talking about recording this, I was like, Oh yeah. yes, I'd love to. Well, you know, there was an alter ego. You, you do create that alter ego. Um, my alter ego um, for years was Scott Stevens. I went by Scott Stevens on the air and it wasn't until uh, one year at the Tulsa State Fair. I'm a big guy. And so I was wearing big daddy clothing at the time. And I remember it was sarcastically too. It was not serious, but there were people that would come by the booth while I was working and they'd hire, hey, big daddy, can you tell me where I find this or whatever? So I remember going to Moon Mullins, who was uh, who's also passed on last year. Miss him a ton. And um, but I remember going to Moon, who was my boss at the time. And I said, hey, listen, I think I want to change my name. And he said, oh, well, that's good, because we just paid to have a bunch of <laughs> shouts and imaging done with your Scott Stevens name. So that's perfect. And I said, no, seriously, hear me out. Just hear me out. And he said, OK, what? And I said, I think I want to change my name to Big Daddy Stevens. Oh, really? Because he was very calm and, you know, oh, yeah. Well, and I said, okay, just do me a favor. Tomorrow at the Tulsa State Fair, come out to my remotes because I was doing uh, 10 to 3 out there live on uh, by the pavilion. There were probably seven people who called me Big Daddy and the whole time he was there. And he was only there for 25, 30 minutes. He's like, okay, I'll have the imaging uh, guys uh, recut all of your stuff, and I'm good with that. And so that's how it happened is I changed it because people remembered it, and so people remember my name. And, you know, that's something that people all the time say, so, you know, that's not your real name, uh, which, you know, the most people know, you know, you as Toby Duffy, um, and but... What was your name on the air? It was Toby Scott. Right. But they thought Toby Duffy was the radio name when they found out. Right. And they thought Toby Scott was my real name. Mm-hmm. Do you know where I came up with Scott? No. Okay. So it was Moon Mullins. Mm. And Scott Woodson, love that man. Talk about funny. Mm-hmm. He was walking down the hallway and Moon goes, I need, because we're going to cut this imaging, You have to. we need something more than Toby. It needs to be, and I looked at him about Scott, because my middle name starts with an S. Right. And he goes, I like it. Simple. Scott. 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 And then Scott Woodson pops his head in. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, okay. That's awesome. But many years before that, when I was, um, I got the opportunity of a lifetime, which I, I when, when Great Empire sold mm-hmm. and my position was eliminated, I packed up and I went to Dallas, Texas to work for a friend of ours. Which happens a lot in Yeah, it, it does. <laughs> and I worked at the movie theater. So it mm-hmm. was one of those times I was unemployed from radio. Even though I was gainfully employed, I always say unemployed at that time. Right. And I had sent a package into The Wolf and to KSCS and to anybody else in the, in the Metroplex. Smoky Rivers kept that for a year. Got a call out of the blue. He was the program director at the time and said, hey, listen, I need a part-time guy. Come in for an interview if you're interested. Okay, I'll, yeah, I'll consider that. I hung up the phone. I'm like, you're darn yes, right I'm, I'm interested. interested. Yes, And so I went in, and I'm sitting there interviewing in front of Cody Allen, mm. which mm-hmm. he wasn't interviewing me right. at all, but Cody was there, and Justin Frizzell walked in. Justin, is that right? Justin mm-hmm. Frizzell. Anyway, he's, all these names. But anyway, all these people I was listening to for a year on the radio, which I, I am I am a huge star fan anyway. Mm-hmm. I get very nervous in front of people. Ask Terry Clark. If you don't know who Terry Clark is, right. Google her. She's the best. And... um. 
it's one of those that I, I was all these radio people that I listened to. And this is every he, Smokey kept going. This is the guy I was telling you about. This is the guy I was telling you about. And then Paul Williams walks in. I don't know who Paul Williams is at that moment. Paul Williams saw me just go blank because I didn't know who yeah. he was. He goes, okay. come in my office. And he goes, we listen to your air check. He goes, it's a little green, but not green as in you've never had experience. He goes, it's just you've never worked in a top five market, have you? And I go, oh, no, no, no. no. He goes, but you worked for KVOO, Kick 99, right? And I go, well, yes. Because at, at this mm-hmm. point, I don't know who this guy is. He goes, well, let me give you a little bit of my history. And then I start looking around. This is the gentleman who kept, who helped come up with the Wolf moniker. Mm-hmm. He's well known. He's liked. People love this guy. He looks like my brother. I, fi- I figured it out. He looks like my brother. So I, I kind of felt like yeah, I kind of knew him, but I didn't. Right. And he goes, I like you. He goes, I really like you. He goes, what's your radio name? And I said, well, I've gone by several different things. I I don't know. I thought about just changing it. My name's Toby Duffy. I really don't know if I want to go by. He goes, we need a Toby. Toby Keith's big right now. We need a Toby. Okay. I haven't been offered the job yet. Mm -hmm. This company never hired from the street to bring in. So the guy who's training me, this is one of my stories. The guy who's training me, Mm -hmm. real nice guy, but he he was that typical, you're a part-timer, you know, and he was a part-timer too, but Randall had been there for a long time. You know, you're going to sit with me for a couple of nights, da 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 okay. The third night rolls around. It's my turn to be on the air. And he's like, okay, now here's this button, here's this button. And he, and he sets across from me. Oh, I can do this, okay. And he goes, remember, if you just, because this is overnights at this point. Mm-hmm. If you screw up, you screw up. Okay. I did my first break. Right on the top of the hour, they do this opener. You know, it's midnight in Texas. You know, did a Barry Corbin voice, mm-hmm. all this stuff. And I launch into my break and I post a song. And then Randall... It picks up his backpack, puts his stuff away, and goes, I'm gone. He goes, I didn't need to be here. And I said, no, you really didn't. You really didn't, right? And he goes, why didn't you tell me? I said, because you felt like you were important, and yeah, I didn't want to stop didn't you. didn't ask. And, and he was a little right. jerkish to me, so I was a little... Mm-hmm. We, we ended up being an okay, you know, we got along right. okay. But I got the opportunity there to work with a lot of named people. I actually got to fill in every day part. Now, the maybe in mornings... On a weekend, mm-hmm. but I worked mornings, midday, afternoons. That's just unheard of for a part-timer coming yeah, in off the street. Absolutely. And I, I, it's one of those that I treasure every single moment I crack that mic in Dallas. Mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I, I don't even think I have a tape of it anymore, but I, I treasure that moment. And it's one of those that whenever I go back down through the Metroplex, it's not the same station, but I'll listen to it just out of respect because that, that gave me proof that what all I had gone through mm-hmm. at that point was worth it. Because you know as well as I do, working for Kick 99, the redhead, the stepchild, mm-hmm. you didn't get anything. No. You really didn't. That's right. Um, I was lucky enough to become friends with you, and that led openings to be friends with the people on the air staff at KVOO. Mm-hmm. And it also helped that Billy Parker was like my grandfather. Right. And so that gave me a shoe in because let's face it, I, I'm not friends with him on Facebook, but the, the general manager didn't like me. Yeah. We didn't, we just didn't jihaw together. <laughs> and so when it came down to it, I, I think that any moment I could have been fired, but it was one of those things to where it, it, it cemented the fact that all of that I went through with that, I'm actually supposed to be in this business. Right. Now I didn't stay there long and I wish I would have, I really wish, um, Paul gave me an ultimate offer. But when you're broke, you're looking at bills in the face, you have to leave. I had to leave. Mm-hmm. 
right now I could probably still be in radio in Dallas or, right. or doing something in the music industry, mm-hmm. but I didn't. And I hate that. Although I do still keep in contact with him occasionally and Smokey as well. Um, they'll drop me a message or I'll drop them a message, which that's nice to have that still mm-hmm. there. But um, I have to say the, everything I went through here in Tulsa, it proved to me that I, I it's what I needed to do. Well, and I too, I believe that, you know, part of that stepping stone is the name KVOO because I know that that's something that, I mean, it's funny to me how you can be in this town and mention the name Billy Parker and there are those that immediately go, oh yeah, you know, I've listened to him all my life, but there's several that go, who? But you step out of this market, out of this area and you mentioned K, you know, KVOO, you mentioned Billy Parker and it's like, oh my gosh, really? Oh, I love him. Oh, I love him. Oh, I mean, it's great. You know, uh, I did several remotes with him in Branson and, you know, I mean, it was literally like being around a star. I mean, he was treated so well. And the funny thing about that is, is that he never was egotistical. I've got so much advice from him. He was probably the biggest mentor radio wise in my career. Um, you know, Roger Harris from Ada, Oklahoma will probably argue that fact, but he literally was probably my biggest mentor. And it wasn't necessarily all about the radio business. It was more about people. He taught me how to treat people. Um, if you had a conversation with Billy, you were a million bucks. That's right. You were the only focus that he was talking. He was not looking towards the next person. He wasn't looking towards the next 10 minutes. You were talking to him and he knew everything about you. I remember one of the stories with him, um, I was helping him uh, to tell you that situation. We had a listener appreciation shows, and we had them two places. We had one time we did at the convention center for a while, the Civic Center, mm-hmm. which is now Cox Business Center downtown. And then we also did some at the Expo Building. And uh, the pavilion oh, those there. were the picnics. Yeah, that was the listener appreciation shows were at the Civic Center. Right. And then you had the family picnics. Oh, at see, the I was Expo. at those. Right. Yeah. I remember one time we were at the Civic Center. We had been doing, we were doing a show. We were walking around. Well, one of the things was, is the guy who was our farm director at the time, Cass Sally, and I, somehow we managed to be security for Billy. Because, honestly... The two biggest guys around. Well, and and you couldn't go anywhere without... If you were around our listeners, they loved Billy. Right. And so they wanted to touch him. They wanted to talk to him. They wanted to tell him a story. They wanted to talk about Canes. They wanted to, you know, talk about Ernest Tubb. They wanted to talk about his career. So what you would have to do is you'd kind of almost have to be the bad guy to let him be the good guy. So you'd have to eventually say, I'm sorry, Billy, we're going to have to really get down the road here. We've got, you know, a lot of things to do. And that gave him the opportunity to be gracious and just bow out. Right. I remember one time we were there and a lady came up and she was telling the story about Canes. And do you remember back in 1960 something or whatever, I was back there and my husband and I, that was our first date and we had just gotten married even. And I'm thinking date and married. Okay. Well, sure. Well, it was our first date out to Canes and we came and saw you play and you played this song and that was our song forever. And it was just so wonderful. And Oh, it was just this and that. And I remember him. Oh, honey, that's so nice. I'm glad, you know, boy, we practically burned that place down. We had such a hot time, didn't we? Or whatever. And she just glowed with this memory of it. And never one time did he say anything else. And then we walk away. I was like, wow, who is that? I don't have any idea. (laughs) 
But that was Billy. So that's one of the things he taught me in radio. He was like, if you are talking to listeners, remember, they're the ones that keep you on the air. That's right. So treat them that way and don't be stupid to them. Don't treat them dumb because, you know, they're you don't understand why they want to talk to you because you're not really a celebrity in your own mind. He said, talk to them. Take the time to be with them. That's still something I carry to this day is that advice. Um, and the other is uh, the ego. Don't let yourself get too big. That's right. Hoss, there is always somebody bigger oh, than Hoss. you. Hoss, yeah. That was his name, you know, Hoss. Everybody was Hoss. But he was. that was just something for me that he's always been that way. And I know his retirement party not too many years ago, uh, I was able to go to. And he was still that same way. you know. And I stepped back into that role. I spent more time, I mean, I hadn't been around him and worked with him in years, but I stepped back into that security role of giving him that out. Billy, if you get tired or whatever, just give me the sign and I'll make it happen. You know, I'll make sure people leave you alone for a while without you being the bad guy. And he's like, now you don't need to do that anyway for me anymore, but I wanted to. I love him. I, I, he's one of the best guys I know. So for me, that was that way. And then I remember in Branson, we were doing a show, doing shows. There was two times when Branson with him. Um, and I know you've probably got story after story being with him, with the, your brothers and with Stonehorse. But I remember two times in Branson. Um, one, we had went to The Promise, which is about Jesus' life. Right. And we had went there as VIPs. And they had made the arrangements. And so we were sitting in these chairs. And it was before the show and the announcer came out and he looked like he was probably 14 years old. But this guy had the announcer voice. I mean, he walked up, hello, Mr. Parker, how are you doing today? You know, and he said, I'm fine. How are you doing? You know, Hoss, you doing good? And he said, yeah, there are so many people here on the cast that are such big fans of yours. And we are so excited that you are here. When I saw your name on the guest list, I let everyone know in the production you were here. And they are thrilled that you're part of this. And, uh, and I, I tell you, again, outside the Tulsa market, huge, okay? So he said, you know, I would love to be able to mention your name, you know, to just introduce you that you're here with us. And so he said, well, he said, okay, Hoss, but let me just tell you something. He said, I'm going to tell you. He said, that's a little embarrassing to me. Um, so if you would, please, I do have guests with me tonight. My wife, Jerry's here with me. And then uh, one of the guys that I work with at the radio station at KBOO, Rick Hampton's here. So I would really appreciate it if you would announce them as well as the guest. Oh, certainly, sir. Yes, sir. That'd be a thrill. No problem. Okay. So we go through and the lights dim and he comes on and he, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for coming to The Promise and kind of does the housekeeping pieces of it, you know, and, and some back history. And then he introduces, you know, we'd like to thank our guests for coming tonight from the drama club in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We've got such and such drama club here from this high school here. From this one in Missouri, we have a, you know, a drama church drama crew here and so forth and so on. And he said, and from KVO Radio, Rick Hampton and Jerry Parker. And like the lights dim further. And then this spotlight starts roaming the audience and hitting tops of heads. I mean, it's just roaming everywhere. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my distinct honor and my pleasure 
And he rolls into this the longest pedigree you have ever heard. I promise you, he had to have gone online or done his research to know. And he started listing, you know, country DJ of the year. He had these hits, named off the hits, when they were, his release dates, who he's played with, who he toured with. who I mean, just roll, roll after roll of roll of uh, these highlight reel for Billy Parker. And he ends it up, I mean, we're all sitting in the chairs and I'm looking at Billy and, and his <laughs> wife was sitting right next to him and he, she's looking at him like, well, 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 you know. And then, I mean, you know, please welcome, it is my distinct honor and privilege to welcome Billy Parker, you know, like he was about to do a fight night or something. I mean, and then this big spotlight narrows and hits his chair and just bathes him <laughs> in the brightest light ever. And we, I said, wow. But the funniest one about that was, is that a few minutes later, an usher came up after we had done that. And where they took the break was right after the crucifixion scene with Jesus and then him about to ascend into heaven. So they take this break. This usher comes over and says, "Uh, Mr. Parker, um, your party is requested backstage. The actor who is playing Jesus uh, would like to meet you. And I told him, I said, "Uh, Billy... Of all the accolades that that guy just released, this has got to be the biggest one of all. When Jesus asks for a meet and greet, and he said, yeah, Hoss, but I don't know that I'm ready to meet Jesus yet. (laughs) (laughs) Don't go anywhere. More of the Behind the Mic podcast is next. I'm Mo. And I'm Sheila Joe, And we're Mojo Merchandise. Mojo Merchandise was created by two friends with a craft passion. We love to make things as gifts, like baby shower presents, wedding shower presents, party decorations, and balloon bouquets. There is nothing we can't do once we put our mind to it. We specialize in vinyl printed t-shirts, home decor signs, pillowcases, cups, and much more. If you have a favorite scripture or a mom saying you want on a t-shirt or sign, we've got you covered. If you have an idea or needing a gift, let Mojo Merchandise make it exactly what you need you're listening to behind the mic with rick hampton and we're back before the break toby and i were talking about billy parker stories and my other story picks up with billy parker doing mornings on kvoo am 1170 and billy and i were broadcasting live from mo bandy's theater in branson and it was when mo and joe were still estranged they had been a big you know big deal and then they drifted apart they had a falling out and everything else well i remember Joe Stampley was in Branson to do a show somewhere else way away from Moe's theater. So Billy and Cal Smith, who had a big hit with Country Bumpkin, they decided they wanted Moe and Joe to get back together, if nothing else, to hug it out and just, hey, let's, let's be done with this. So they invited him. He said no. So, you know, we're like, well, you know, we tried. They, you know, they tried to do it. So I remember I was setting up at the time. I wasn't on the air with him. Although he would drag me in every once in a while, but most of the time I wasn't on the air with him. But what I was doing was I was there locally producing the show. So it was my job to set up the phone line to make sure that they were getting a signal from Branson back to Tulsa and all that. And I remember I was running around just freaking out trying to get this thing on the air. And then the phone line that they had given us was not working. So I had to run extra cable. I mean, just crazy stuff. On stage, as they slowly started to arrive... People that that were country music legends, Cal Smith, Mickey Gilly, Mo Bandy, um, Leroy Van Dyke was there, Billy was there, then others started showing up. Just people that, you know, that either had a theater or were doing a show somewhere. Right. It was funny because I'm just going crazy. 
I was sitting on the floor. They were all up on stage in kind of a semicircle about to do this interview because it was getting down to the wire. I was still having some trouble. And I remember he walked over to me. He walked all the way down off the stage, came all the way out into the area where I was at. And he said, Hoss, look around. And I looked around and he said, you ain't going to get this again. Take it in. Don't worry about it. If we don't get on the air for the first break, we don't get on the air for the first break. But understand, you're surrounded by like eight living country music legends. Drink this in. I'll never forget that because as long as I was around radio and there was always a moment where you're running around and racing around or whatever, but I never forgot that. For me, you know, one of the ones that I wanted to meet and I always had this imaginary we're going to meet because I'm going to be introduced to this guy and he's going to walk across the room and he's going to shake my hand and we're going to be instant pals and everything else with Garth Brooks. You know, I loved his music and I love his stuff, but that's the way I thought, man, this is going to be great. I'm going to be backstage and I'm going to meet this guy and we're going to be pals. No, I met him at, next to a urinal as he was announcing his shows at Driller Stadium, the old one at right. 15th Street. That's how we met. I will stroll in there before a press conference, just going to go to the restroom, and I happen to glance over, and it's Garth Brooks in a ball cap going to the bathroom. Well, that didn't turn out the way I thought it would, you know. As soon as I go out, I'm back at the Rolling Ranch, which is our big, huge remote vehicle from KBOO, you remember? Yeah. I'm back there, and I'm just kind of leaning against, and he walks over, and he says, hey, thanks for not asking for an autograph or something. <laughs> you know, it was a little, that's a little weird or whatever, and I said, no, man, I, you know, I was not going to do that. I, I get it, you know. I understand. And he said, but thanks. He goes, you got a Sharpie? You got a pen? I'm like, sure. I've always got a Sharpie. So he signed the card and, the, and then like he left. But so that, that was my big brush with the one that I thought would make me nervous or be this big deal. So who was somebody in radio or in the country music business or any of the music business? Who would it have been for you when you met? It was a big deal. It's a big deal. Yeah. There's been a lot of big deals, but one that that tops it off. I've been on Willie Nelson's bus and I didn't have to produce anything to get there. <laughs> I did an interview with Willie by request um, when he was in Nebraska. It's when I was at the network and he was coming through and we had a classic country station in town. And I, I honestly think the reason they, they put me in that position is that I was the smartest one to run the recorder and that I've interviewed a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I really think that's the only reason I got it. I will tell you there was three joints rolled right there perfectly in front of me. He did offer. I passed it down. I passed, not passed it down. <laughs> I passed I, on the I, offer. I passed it down. But he was probably the nicest interview I've ever done. He is truly a humble man. There is no doubt about it. He really is. He is He is what you see on TV. Mm-hmm. He's that same person. The person you see on stage is Willie Nelson in real life. Nice. There's not a lot of those that we can say that. Right. Garth is one. Yeah. The person you see... I watch his Inside Studio G. He's the same person on and off the stage. Yep. He has an ego. Everybody has an ego. Sure. But his ego is that friendly. Mm-hmm. He is truly is that sappy about things. He will start crying at the drop of a hat. It is truly emotional for him. Willie Nelson is truly a humble person. He understands that he's lived a hard life in certain areas, but he's humble for everything he gets. He and One question I did ask him. I said, I understand this is a radio interview. You're going to give a radio answer. And if you give me an answer you never want out there, that's fine. But- when it comes to the fans, you're Willie Nelson. You've been around for a long time. You've gone from, from decade to decade. You've seen a lot of stars. You've seen a lot of people. You've got a lot of people who love you. Is it ever too much? Is, is it really ever too much? And he goes, you know, that's what this bus is for. This is my sanctuary. Even when I go home. He goes, I sleep on the bus sometimes when I'm at home. But I will tell you, 
if a fan's happy to see you and I've connected with that fan, then that's it. He traded his hat. In that concert that night, a gentleman walked up, took off his cowboy hat, gave it to Willie. Willie took off his cap and gave it to that guy. Nice. And he goes, I will pass this hat on to the next concert. Wow. The guy had Willie Nelson's hat on. Now, mm-hmm. let's just face it. I mean, Willie, I mean. It could be a contact it, thing. It, it could be. Um, but but it's, it, that that Willie Nelson, I have to say, is probably, I mean, when I told my mom I interviewed Willie Nelson on his bus, the first thing she said was, did you smoke pot? <laughs> and I go, no, mom, I didn't. No, I did not. But I also met Charlie Daniels that mm-hmm. way too. He was a little bit more standoffish than I thought he would be. Really nice guy. There's been a lot of people that I've met. Um, but I have, I think Willie Nelson, to answer your questions at the top, but mm-hmm. the funniest moments mm-hmm. would have to be one is Trace Atkins. Mm. He was in KVOO. Mm-hmm. And you know how tall Trace is. His yep. belt buckle hits me in the in the forehead. Right. And I'm 6'1". Yeah. And I'm literally walking around the corner, not paying attention. And boom, I run in the sky. Oh, sorry. I look up and I'm I'm hitting his you know belt buckle with my eyes. <laughs> and I look up further and it's Trace. Oh, man, I'm sorry. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Because yeah, you're so a sorry. lot tougher than I am. And right. I, I'm out of here. You know, I mean, because I, I was embarrassed. I uh, wanted to ask you about when you were at Kick 99, KBOO, was there any listener stories that you could tell? Maybe a strange thing that happened? Or I dated maybe... my stalker. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, that that didn't go well hmm. for her. Who, <laughs> really. who knew? You know. Um, well, you know, I kind of felt sorry for her and I didn't have anybody to date. So I thought, why not? You know, yeah. what's the worst that could happen? Right. Uh, I got left at a concert. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's the worst that could happen. Yeah, and and it happened. Uh, life right. goes on. Now, when I was in Dallas, mm-hmm. her name was Betty. She lived in Louisiana. She thought she could hear our radio station. Now, you could listen online, right? but she was listening on her radio, and she'd hold her phone up to her radio. Yeah. She wasn't hearing a thing. Dang. But I used her one New Year's. Mm. Yes. She called in. She goes, Merry Christmas. I said, no, no, no. It's it's Happy New Year. Oh, Happy New Year. I said, you're taking too many painkillers. Right. You know, but she loved it. You were talking about earlier, you were talking about Trace Adkins. My story with him uh, was during Country Fever one year. And I was working with, uh, it was right after Sonny came on board with us. When you brought somebody on stage, uh, you probably remember this too. A lot of times they would put like the interview on the big jumbotron screens next to the stage. Right. So they had a camera crew and they would be like, okay, you're bringing on Trace Atkins. You guys come with us. So this camera crew would come with you and you'd go pick everybody up and you'd go to the dressing room or the holding area. Right. So we decided, hey, we're going to do a thing where we are going to do Trace Adkins true or false. The bit was is that we were going to come up with the weirdest and craziest things to see if they were true or false. And then we were going to introduce him because that's the way you set it up. You kind of did a quick little interview and then you looked right in the camera and was like, all right, we're on our way out to you. We'll see you in just a second. And so that was kind of a combination of recorded and live stuff. But it looked like the camera crew followed you out to the stage. Right. You? Well, I remember we come in, he comes in the room, sat down, and the guy's like, the camera guy's like, and action. Hey, we're backstage with Trace Adkins. It's me, you know, Big Daddy Stevens, Sonny Lee's here with me. And Sonny, we're going to play one of the strangest games. And I got to tell you, when we first started this process, we were going to ask crazy questions. And then we realized, you know what? He's lived a crazy life. So Trace, we're going to play Trace Adkins' Truth or False. Okay. Okay. You know, big old deep voice. All right. Sunny kicks it off and she's like, okay, true or false, Trace, you've had a ATV roll over on top of you. Yeah, that that, that one's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. 
True or false? And so I ask, you know, true or false? You had a accident where you cut your hand and your finger, and the only way that they could save your career or the fact that you love to play guitar was by sewing your finger back on your pinky back on in a angle so that you could still grab the neck of a guitar and play. Yeah, yeah, that's that's right, right too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And so then Sonny's like, so true or false? Your ex-wife, wife at the time shot you point blank in the chest with a pistol. You know, and by now, like the camera crew's even like, oh, come on, guys, really? You know, and he's like, oh, yeah, that's that's absolutely true. Yeah, she did. She, I came home. I was a jerk. She shot me right in the, you know. I mean, now, granted, I can't talk as deep as he can, right. but, I mean, it was this deep, huge voice. And then he says, yeah, and a matter of fact, he said, I was actually sitting there laying there bleeding, uh, you know, out of this wound. I was on the new white carpet that she had just put down, <laughs> and I drugged myself from that carpet all the way out to the tile because I figured that'd be easier to clean if I... You know, if I bled on this car, brand new white carpet, she's going to shoot me again. So, you know, at that point, we're laughing, you know, and he's looking at us like, why are you laughing? That ain't funny. And so, uh, so the last one was, Trace, true or false? You once had your nipple bit off by a beaver. And so I'm thinking, okay, here it is, you know, right. and he looked, and he stopped and he goes, who told you that? <laughs> and, and we never got down to whether or not it really actually happened. But all I knew was, wait a second. Could that be possibly true? And then she, if there was a way to see it nowadays, like on archive on YouTube or something, I would love to see that video because she's the one that stepped in and all right, you heard it here first. Who knows whether it's true or false, you know, kind of a deal. We're headed for you, country fever. Get ready. Trace Atkins is on the way out now, you know, whatever. And then that's when we came out and introduced, but it was so funny because I'm just like, is it true? Is it true? (laughs) Did you really? (laughs) So who was your biggest influence? Number one. And it, this doesn't have to be about radio at all, but who was one of your biggest influence in life? And then in radio or entertainment, either one, who was your biggest influence? My biggest influence in life would have to be my mom and dad. Oh, yeah. Probably more than dad yeah. than mom. And, and I'm not taking anything away anything from mom, right. but you knew mom and dad. Mm-hmm. So you knew my dad was larger than life character. Yeah. And mom was not a larger than life character, Mm-mm. but they have to be the biggest influence. There's not one day that it, we've lost mom. Yeah. And that's the reason I'm in Florida. There's not a day that doesn't go by that something happens to me in life that they told me about or would be something I, I'd, you know, you'd like, mom told me about that. I'd want to pick up the phone and give her a call. Right. Same thing with dad. They have to be the biggest influence in my life. Then past that, just family, because I'm really all about my family. And then. And, and I will just to say this, like your dad, I always thought that he should have been an entertainer. I mean, <laughs> seriously, there have been, there were so many times when I would be around them that. He, and you're right, he was so larger than life. He had such a huge personality. And, you know, there was no doubt when you met him, you had met him. I mean, there was no question he was funny. If you didn't talk to him yeah. when he talked to you, mm-hmm. at least acknowledge him. Mm-hmm. He literally, his first words would be, what the hell's your problem? Yeah. And that, that yeah. literally would be my father. Yeah. And it was, but my dad, okay, so you know in Branson when they, oh, welcome to the show, yada, mm-hmm. yada, yada, did this, don't do this, don't do this. And everybody, we're family here in Branson. Just, you know, to your neighbor, you know, shake their hand, give them a hug, give them a kiss. My dad would look over at the guy sitting next to him and go, well, so we going to kiss or what? Yeah. I <laughs> so mean, we going to so, do this? Yeah. So yeah. that's my dad. Right. Which leads yeah. me to probably John Candy. Yeah. Great character actor. Mm-hmm. He could be serious. He could definitely be funny. Yeah. He didn't have to try to be funny. Mm-hmm. He just was. Yeah. As, mm-hmm. as a celebrity, there's always that talk about you have it. We've got a round table here. 
if there was multiple chairs. Who would you want to be at this table with you? Mm-hmm. One of them would be John Candy. Yeah. The other side would be Robin Williams. Mm. And then a cardiologist next to him because mm. I don't know if I could handle it. Yeah. But really, John Candy, probably there's not one movie I haven't seen. I've seen all the SCTV stuff from Canada. He he was he was a true genius when it came to physical comedy. Mm-hmm. I have to say John Candy. There's a couple moments that we've had, though. Oh, remember back, uh, we got invited back. We went to the Tim McGraw Faith Hill concert. <laughs> and so we got invited back because they were presenting KBOO with a plaque. It was a really nice plaque. Oh, it too, is. In support, because we had supported their Soul to Soul tour, right. where they actually met and they wound up falling in love and getting married. So when they went back out on the road, or sold to sold to, but we were invited backstage to accept this plaque. We go back, promotions director at the time, April Salisbury was with us. So we all three go back to accept this uh, award. And I remember it very well because, I mean, not just because of the result or the outcome, but because of the fact that it was the perfect husband-wife moment. Oh, it was. So we're backstage. This other uh, station is there. They're taking pictures. They have a photographer and everything. And so they're making this presentation. Well, then Tim and Faith both were talking to the program director and a couple of the DJs that were there and, you know, just talking. Well, she, Faith Hill, moves on to our group. Which and we're is the last ones. Yeah, we're the last, last ones, ones there to get this award. Um, and they wanted to have that time to talk to us. And so uh, we're kind of just standing off to the side. And um, so the photographer takes uh, Faith over. And so she's talking to uh, Toby and she's talking to April and they're kind of chatting about some things. And so then Faith looks over and sees Tim is still talking to these other guys. And I remember it clearly because she didn't say, you know, anything. She just, babe, honey, Tim. I mean, it was like this, just this. And he's like, yes, ma'am. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And I mean, um, we we need to, and then immediately like her voice got all soft again and she's like, we need to get on with this. And you know, can you come over here for a minute? And oh, uh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. You know, no problem. You know, so we all get kind of packed in and she's like, can you move a little closer together and things like that? It's Tim and me and then April, you me. and Faith, Faith on that end. We'll take a couple of pictures and as the photographer is like, yeah, I think I got it. Well, she reaches up, takes her camera and looks on the little viewfinder, a little screen on it, and realizes, oh, there's some eyes closed or something. Hey, can we get back together real quick and exactly. take another picture? Uh, your eyes were closed and I think you were looking off the other way. Look right at here at me. So we all start to get back into our space. So we just kind of back up, back we, into we our space. Yeah, really, we just bunch in. Yeah, really, we really bunch in. At that point, you know, Toby... Uh, is on the end closest to Faith Hill, and he's got his arms out, and he was just going to put his arms around everybody in the picture. Exactly, and where she, my arm was supposed to be, uh, so yeah. my hand was in the back of April's back, in the back of her back. Yeah, and and same thing. Faith had her hand in my back, and then usually if that's done, then you know you just kind of yeah. well, she's wearing heels. Yeah. And she adjusts and yep. moves. My hand slips down and she goes backwards. And your hand could not have cupped her rear end any better, any more as if she'd ask you to. But the funny thing was, is that, and I'm not kidding you, if you zoom in, all I remember hearing is Toby say, oh, sorry. (laughs) And I hear her say, it's okay. It's okay. Because she knew it was totally innocent. It It was was not anything And her muscle-drawn husband is just too, and if you remember, when people touch Faith or Tim out of place, there's, it's, 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 I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, we, I'm fired. Yeah. (laughs) 
but the funny part is too is if you actually take that photo and if you enlarge it like you on on a smartphone or a tablet or anything and you uh, enlarge that you can see the side of his mouth is like curved to saying sorry and then you can see that in the picture definitely it really was innocent was and so she even innocent. gave me a hug afterwards yeah. and i felt so bad but while we were going up those stairs i go i touched i Faith just butt. it's right i just touched Faith Hill's butt I'm like, yeah, I know. You're, I mean, you're the only one that I know of that I can say that, other than Tim, yeah. that I know for sure that you touched her butt. <laughs> there it is. Episode number one of Behind the Mic with Rick Hampton. Join me next time. I've got episode number two lined up, and we're going to hear more from Toby Duffy. We have stories about some great country artists, some people that he's met, some that I've met, some of the trouble we've gotten into, and so much more. We have one story that's a little bit risque coming up on the next episode, and it happened at the Tulsa State Fair. When somebody says, what's the craziest thing you've seen in radio? Okay. Picture it, Tulsa State Fair. Mm. Me, you, Shelby T. Mm-hmm. Sitting on a bench, crowds clearing out at night. So they used to have, and I don't know if they still do, it's a, it's a barrel you sit on and it massages your feet. I've seen them at Silver Dollar City. I've seen them at other places. Carnies are starting to gather. We're sitting there and Shelby, first one he goes, what do you want to bet she sits on? You do not want to miss that story. It's coming up on the next episode of Behind the Mic with Rick Hampton. You can follow us really easily. All you have to do is go to Facebook, like our page, Behind the Mic with Rick Hampton. You won't miss an episode of our podcast. This episode of Behind the Mic podcast was brought to you by Mojo Merchandise. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes. Join us next time as we go Behind the Mic with Rick Hampton.